Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. It's so important that people start understanding that no matter how much fear-mongering you see in the headlines about the so-called New World Order, it's not up to them. It's up to us. And, and art is necessarily crucial. It's crucial to the creation of the world we'd rather see. That, of course, was the voice of best friend of the podcast, Alison Gray. And under her musical moniker, when humans had wings, she has just shared her first ever album, Run Rabbit Run. And Allison is here with us today to talk about that experience and so much more. And we'll get to that right after this brief word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. And now let's get back to the show. How do you live like that? Pulling rabbits out of hats, making everybody mad, mad, mad. just heard a one-minute medley of all seven songs from the album Run, Rabbit, Run by When Humans Had Wings. And we're about to have a conversation with the magical mind behind the music, Alison Gray. Alison, welcome to episode 50 of Postwoke, and congrats on your new album. Thank you so, so much. Now, for the listeners, you and I are speaking um, the day after Run Rabbit Run was officially made public and shared. So I feel like the first thing I want to do is just sort of 
get a sense of where you're at because you're still very much in the moment. I mean, this the, the album just came out and all the emotions are happening. So just share a little bit of, of how it's been for the past 24 or 36 hours and, and if anything has <laughs> surprised you about, about this experience. Oh my God. Uh... I could answer that in like 50 different ways and it, it's <laughs> barely been 24 hours. Like, um, okay. Well, I mean, overall I, I, I'm great. I'm, I'm so great. I, the feedback I'm getting is profound and I don't say that lightly. I I've been, you know, I have one person saying that the madness of the saints is her favorite song in this entire world. And that's a lot to process, you know, like the fact that I am the creator of something that is now someone's favorite song. I know what it's like to have a favorite song that like you could play over and over again and you never get sick of it. And to know that now I am the artist responsible for creating such things for people. It's like the word honor doesn't cover it. You know, it's it's just a blessing. And, um, you know, there have been challenges as well. Um it's really interesting how shining your light kind of triggers the shadows in others. And mm. I don't want to dwell too much on that because I am in a good mood and, and um, I don't want to bring myself down by focusing too much on that. But it is a reality of committing yourself to the great work of being an artist. You know, it, you will inevitably run into other people's limits and. Um, in your own process of unlimiting yourself. And so I've just been practicing oh, so many, so many things, compassion and mercy and grace, not just for these people, but for myself. And, and also on the flip side of that, I've been practicing receiving the compliments I've been getting, because that's just as hard in some ways. It's just as hard to allow yourself to be seen through eyes of love and appreciation and to, you know, just let people like your stuff. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm finding that there are some interesting but fun challenges um, on both sides of that coin. Thank you. Uh, and as somebody who's fortunate enough to be talking to you on a regular basis during this process, I know that with these seven songs that are now out you know they've they you have you have empty nest syndrome they're out in the world now um, <laughs> yeah. as you get as you go over them over and over and fix them and choose which ones are going to be in which order and what's going to be the first sing single you can you know i know this from writing books you can sort of feel a little bit of staleness about your own creation now mm -hmm. i'm going to just make an assumption that the past 24 hours have seriously reignited your love and passion for your songs Oh, absolutely. You know, because there's a big difference between hearing your own songs like a hundred times over the course of nine months as you're passing them back and forth between mixing engineers and, you know, that, you know, yes, yeah, staleness is the word. You just kind of get bored of your own sounds. And while I was finishing Run Rabbit Run and getting it mixed and mastered, I had already started working on my second album. So talk about like, having that in the rearview mirror i was just like you know other people hadn't even heard run rabbit run yet and i had already moved on a little bit but once i realized i was kind of like abandoning my own baby before she was even born i really i i went inward i checked in with myself and i i reminded myself of what a, 
an important responsibility it is to have been the channel through which uh, a work of art comes through and that my responsibility as the artist doesn't end when I finish the, the piece. You know, there's still the matter of continuing to open myself up and, and shine more and more so that my music can actually be heard by more and more people. The, the spiritual work, the inner work, it truly never ends on the artist's path. And so, um, yes, so when I heard my songs on Bandcamp, on Spotify and on YouTube and, you know, everywhere it's been distributed, I, I realized, oh my God, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. And I've I've been getting so much support from people I don't know, which, you know, I've, I've had that before. I Before I was singing, I was writing. And so, you know, I've had articles go viral. And I remember what it was like to get emails from people I'd never heard of. I don't know how they found me, but they found me. And, and to have um, provoked such intense reactions, both positive and negative, from total strangers is always surreal. But um, now it's happening with my music. Now it's out there where total strangers can find me and um, perceive me in a totally new way, you know. It, and so I'm, I'm processing so much. Like, to have strangers pay for my album, it's, it's like, I know I should get used to it. I know that's the point of, of putting my work out there and, and receiving support. But I, like I said, I, the, the work of unlimiting myself continues. So I'm partially amazed and in wonder of this whole process. And at the same time, I'm like, nope, this is this is my normal yeah. now. Yeah, that sounds like a delicate balance. And, and, you know, when you say I know I should get used to it on a on a material practical level yeah that makes a lot of sense because you have so much ahead of you and you're like you said you're already working on your next album which we'll get to we'll we'll talk about that but mm. what i appreciate is that is the mindfulness and the intentionality behind what you're doing and i like that that sure get used to it is one thing but never ever letting that become blasé or casual like every album is going to be its own experience and its own entity. And why not, you know, channel this level of excitement or higher each and every single time. So that is a delicate balance, but you seem just based on hearing you speak right now, you seem like you're finding that balance. And, and I, like I said, I definitely want to talk about what's next, but focusing on run rabbit run, you have, in, in general, on the When Humans Had Wings uh, website, you say this is music for the mass awakening. So since mm -hmm. Run Rabbit Run is your current music, I'm curious to for you to let us know of what that means for you in terms of this album and what you would like it to mean to all these new listeners, these strangers that you're mentioning, and, and your friends, of course, but those people who find you and you don't even know who are, they, like they're having conversations about you on their social media right now, and you don't mm -hmm. even know who, who they are. Yeah. What, would you, what would you like that to, to mean to them, that this is music for the mass awakening? Ooh, well, um, in spiritual circles, uh, there's this general understanding that at this point in human history, we are undergoing a timeline bifurcation. So you could say it started in 2020 with the Cooties 19 PSYOP. Um, it was very blatantly made clear that humanity was facing a, a split, a fork in the road. Um, we were at a crossroads. Are you going to devolve towards transhumanism or are you going to choose organic spirited evolution? 
and choose nature and choose that which is life affirming. And so, um, I mean, yeah, there's nuances and it's not always so simple, but the choice was generally pretty black and white. Like, are you going to choose um, techno totalitarianism or life? And, um, you know, you and I, we know which choice we made. And, And so the reason people call that a mass awakening is because we've I mean, we've been building towards this bifurcation and it continues to to grow. The timeline continues to kind of split and. Um, some people co- are committing even harder to the narrative that health comes out of a syringe and that, you know, you you have no sovereignty, you have no free will, you have to do whatever the government tells you to do. And um, I lost my train of thought there. I <laughs> But um, point being, the mass awakening to, to most people um, is a reference to what we're currently going through, where people have to make their choice and they have to commit to either standing up to the current that's washing a lot of people away towards the deep ocean of transhumanism or to stand their ground and build a new world from right where we are and not have fear. Um, So that's what mass awakening means to most people. But then for me as a musician, uh, there's the added component of my self-liberation. So I truly feel that because we are all connected consciously, that when any one individual makes a choice to unlimit themselves, to free themselves, they, by consequence, automatically remove limits for other people. It's something like the hundredth monkey effect. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Or just for anyone who's listening who isn't, the idea is it's been shown. In fact, this has been very well studied, this phenomenon where um, in a group of any some species of animals, but I would argue any species of animal, um, when a certain small fraction of that species um, learns a new piece of knowledge, whether it's how to use a certain tool or something to that effect, there's a tipping point where when enough of them learn it, all of them learn it automatically. So um, I don't remember the exact example, but I think it was something to do with crows or maybe ravens, where um, if ravens in a certain location, isolated from all the others, learned a certain new behavior, suddenly all ravens would know how to do it um, once that. Yeah. And so it's really I, I this is so important to know for anybody who has fear or doubt that there's any value in raising consciousness on an individual scale, it absolutely does make a difference. Even if a small fraction of humanity starts choosing life and choosing uh, growth and, and spiritual evolution, that small number does ripple out to the greater collective consciousness. And so when I talk about liberating myself through my music and learning how to sing without fear and devote myself to art and to honor creativity, you know, I, I'm finding on my little personal scale that I get so many messages from people saying, oh, I, I also stopped making music, but you've got me inspired to pick up my guitar again, or you've got me wanting to start painting again. And, and there's something about the nature of inspiration, which I will remind your listeners for like the hundredth time, inspiration means to be filled with the breath of God, the breath of life. Um, so when you are inspired when you are driven and animated by the breath of God, you in turn inspire others. So it is like um, 
it it kind of automatically just ripples outwards. And so um, don't ever, ever, ever underestimate the chaotic potential of freeing yourself on an individual scale because self-awakening is necessarily mass awakening. Oh, I like that. I like that. I, I like that entire answer. And I want to, um, before we shift into something else, I just want to respond to three things quickly. The, mm-hmm. the, the point you made about reminding the listeners about um, getting out there and expressing yourself, that is on my list of stuff that we're going to get to here. But I do, I just want to say, like, it, I, I admire that you could be in a conversation on that's being recorded and say, oh, I lost my train of thought and then continue in the direction that you chose to go in. And the the irony and the and the beauty of that was we were talking about transhumanism versus humans and humans lose their train of thoughts. We're not machines and right. we're, not pro- we're not programmed. <laughs> and it's absolutely fine. Perfection is never the goal. And oh, to, thank we, you for that. Yeah. So there's a sense of like, yeah, so what? I lost my train of thought. This is my 50th episode. If I went back and listened to all the rest of them and cringed at every um, mispronounced word or whatever, whatever I, I did spoke too much and didn't let the guests speak enough. I mean, I could drive myself crazy, but this is, I, this is the self-awakening and this is a I'm, sense of accepting my humanity. I don't want to be one of those robots that I hear talking on the New York city subway, telling me what the next stop is speaking in perfectly enunciated English. So I just wanted to put that wow. out there. That that was what really, a really. Revelation. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to interrupt. Uh, just no, I'm smiling so big right now because you're right. That is an excellent point to remind people of. And I'm really glad you use the word cringe because on my self-awakening journey, I love to keep in mind this meme that I saw once where someone put like an image of Buddha and like a speech bubble and he was saying, integrate your cringe. And <laughs> or was it Carl Jung's? It was a picture of one of them. And I think it's so funny because like our current generation, particularly Gen Z, they have this amazing way of reducing vast esoteric concepts into the most casual, colloquial English. Because what is um, the great work of of transmuting the darkness of the subconscious into the light of consciousness, but an act of integrating one's cringe. You have to learn how to cringe at yourself. That's one of the biggest lessons I've been learning in my music. Like I cringe so hard at myself throughout this whole process. And part of what it means to liberate myself is to do the thing anyway and cringe the whole way. But like, don't let the cringe stop you. There, There's a song... The, the song I cringe the most at, let's be real, is actually the title track, Run, Rabbit, Run, because at the end, I'm basically yodeling. I'm basically screaming Run, Rabbit, Run at the top of my lungs. It was, you should have seen me in this studio, Mickey. I, I mean, the way that I was going for it, screaming Run, Rabbit, Run, and like, like hitting high C5s and stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, cringe, cringe at yourself more, <laughs> just embrace it, just do the cringy stuff, you're going to be free on the other side of it. And it's so worth it. <laughs> you just gave me the, you, it's like you knew what I was going to ask next. It's a perfect segue. But <laughs> okay. I, I just want to say what you said, Carl Jung, Buddha, I was thinking, well, maybe Carl Jung is the, was the Buddha. I mean, you know, Ooh, <laughs> hot take. Yeah, I'm putting out the sizzling who, hot take here. Who isn't the Buddha? Ooh. That's scorching, (laughs) scorching hot take on episode 50 here. But since you talked about the, a little bit just now about the actual um, recording and and the songwriting, I I do want to touch on that because I I know we could go, at some point, if we get, have enough time, 
I wouldn't mind asking about the spiritual aspect of the of the symbolism of rabbits. And but mm -hmm. I, I do want to talk about the music too. Like actually, they could, almost like in a nerdy music way. Like what was it like? to be in your own studio and to be learning the equipment as you're writing this album and to be as just someone who has sang for a big chunk of your life, but almost exclusively um, other people's music mm -hmm. and other people's arrangement of that music. And suddenly you're in a studio where everything that's coming out of you um, instrumentally and vocally is coming directly out of your imagination and you you were giving yourself permission to say yes this is a song and i i'm always fascinated by the concept that you could wake up in the morning and let's say you you mentioned um run rabbit run the song like on a given day you could wake up and there the song run rabbit run doesn't exist and by the end of the day it now exists so what's what's that like in terms of as a singer as a uh, now a, a musician and producer, and just just as a creator, what what was the process like, and how did your past musical experiences um, as a fan and as a performer influence it? Because I know that you've an, kind of an uh, ongoing uh, joke of sorts is that you don't really have a genre for your music. So mm -hmm. I know that's a lot there, but just take parts of it or wherever you want to go. But I I don't want I want to hear a little more about the nuts and bolts of being a a professional musician? Well, one of my other big lessons in this process was how to have fun. Um, it, it, I'm not lying when I say fun was very much a foreign concept to me for most of my life. I mean, I grew up in super strict conditions, um, rules, rules, rules. And in fact, that plays into uh, the theme of my second album, which I know we're going to talk about later. Um, Having fun is something that at first I approached in a kind of mechanical way, like, okay, how can I have more fun in this process? And it was like something I had to knock off a to-do list, like, did I have fun today? <laughs> Un until it became a habit, until it became something automatic, like, hmm, I could be having more fun. And then I, I open up more. And so it's a it's fun is a fun practice. <laughs> it's <laughs> Fun is um, fun. Scorching hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I mean, uh, there's this running joke with me and my Facebook friends that I unironically love the phrase live, laugh, love, because I know it's it, like it's kitschy and there's like a million uh, home decor items that say live, laugh, love. So people start to take it for granted. But it's when you really stop and meditate on live, laugh, love, it is rife with profound spiritual significance, like to live is i mean that's everything and to laugh it, the more joy in your life really is a great barometer of how you, how healthy you are spiritually and then to love that is the ultimate calling you know and those three words that i love that there's that alliteration it's just the most poetic beautiful condensation of the spiritual path in my opinion and so I've been in court. I actually, I do have a live, laugh, love sign in my kitchen that I made because I love it so much. Um, so yeah, in my music, you'll see, I mean, like I said, I yodeled on the end of run rabbit run. Um, I screamed F bombs on the last song. I just, I, I did a lot of inner child work on this album. I re I went retroactively asked my inner child, um, you know, what haven't you done that you would like to do? 
and um she went wild she just like was doing whatever like oh i want to do this on this track and then i want to do this on this track and i was just like okay no limits i i won't stop you i'm not going to make the mistake of the caretakers i had growing up who just like would just say no to everything simply to stifle me for no other reason and um yeah so so learning how to have fun has been one of my favorite spiritual practices and i hope that it's clear in the sort of sassy elements of this album that i really did have fun and i'm having fun promoting it just like putting on rabbit ears for no reason and like i mean once you realize you there are no limits on how you can live your life none at all life just becomes so much more whimsical and interesting i mean what something i think about a lot is how a lot of artists are so notorious for doing the most basic shit like like think about what it says about how bland and uniform our world is that if you wear mismatched socks people notice and it's noteworthy like it doesn't take much to be noteworthy all you have to do is somewhat go against the grain and slightly break a pattern or an expectation and suddenly you're an artist and it's it's i mean that in a way it's sad because that just doesn't speak well to how tightly controlled we are by social expectations and and by shame but at the same time it's really a relief to know that it doesn't take much to to invite more fun and play into your life and by proxy into the lives of others. Yeah, but and also to to use my own phrase to keep your guard up that we do live in a culture that tries to commodify um, any sort of rebellion. Mm. And so that person who wore the mismatched socks, that might be an item you'll see at Urban Outfitters in a, in a month. And then you say like, no, 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 no. That's not, I'm not looking for a trend. I'm looking for, I'm looking into my heart to say, what do I want to do? And to bring it back to you, it, it's, I, I would agree when I listen to your music and by the way, it is such a fascinating difference of playing it on my computer. And then before we spoke, I was walking around my neighborhood and I had, I had decent quality earphones in and I was listening in particular to ears to hear where you do vocals in different ones in my left ear and ones in my right ear. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, there's, it's a, it's a serious musical creation with extremely um, complex and profound lyrics but never not being whimsical, the word that you use so much to describe this, where it's you you walk this um this I don't I don't know if it's a fine line, but you found your own path. Let's just phrase it this way. You walk your own path where mm. people will like this because they like the music. Then you get the people how how I was growing up. I wanted to memorize the lyrics. I was curious to see what songs sounded like poems. And, but mm -hmm. then the general vibe is what's going to keep people. And at some point, even if people don't get the lyrics, they'll get your vibe, the, the, the whimsy, the, that, that you're giving them permission in a way to break the rules and to, and to explore and to express themselves. And as you said, you are inspiring them because we live in a time where perhaps more than ever, we need, more imagination and mm. and i don't i don't think you i don't think you're doing this i mean there's obviously you're making conscious choices but not in to, you're not compromising your musical choices making those conscious choices that's the impression i get i love that you chose the word 
imagination because when you break down the word, it's I magi nation. And what is a magi? The magician is the creator of reality. So to live in your imagination is to be the magi creating the nation that you wish to see. And so that's why going back to the mass awakening theme, it's so important that people start understanding that no matter how much fear mongering you see in the headlines about the so-called new world order, it's not up to them. It's up to us. And, and art is necessarily crucial. It's crucial to the creation of the world we'd rather see. So part of creating reality is first like discovering what you desire to see in your reality and the only way you can see you know find your desires is to give yourself the playful freedom to do so without shame and so for me i know i want my world to include more whimsy i want a whimsical world and so i've got so ooh, i i really need to talk about this the creative process taught me that there is a sacred space and it's a liminal space where when you're creating the rest of the outside world just ceases to exist it no longer exists you're somewhere else you're in another dimension or you might as well be and it's even more profoundly obvious when you're collaborating with another artist and you're both co-creating something um the rest of the world just you forget it's there and it, it, we need that feeling we need more people accessing that liminal space that is heaven essentially and and anchoring heaven to earth through art and through the creative process because um, we've got these, you know, darker magicians trying to script it into being that the world is going to be based on the blockchain in just a few years and there's no escaping the social credit system. And but but the artists know better. And I'm trying to wake up other artists and remind them, like, you have a sacred responsibility right now at this point in human history to create as freely and as enthusiastically as you can. It's not just about you. It's about everybody, you know, and it may not look like me writing an album about rabbits has anything to do with stopping the new world order but it has everything to do because it's chaotic free energy it's it which is the antithesis to a forced order like there to recognize that there are no rules and you can have fun and laugh more and and laugh in the face of evil that truly is the answer i really believe that with all of my heart amen to that really i, I <laughs> we we i've I've always felt every time somebody uh, creates a song or paints a painting or writes a poem, it, it is striking a blow for freedom where, because mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're particularly in a capitalist society. Well, I shouldn't say that any totalitarian society, your your creativity is naturally suppressed because that's what they would fear the, the more than anything. Or, the, or there's a famous line from, 1984, where, where the, he's, he talks about the powers that shouldn't be the one thing they fear the most is love, because that's where that's mm -hmm. where their underlings were getting the most freedom. But you mentioned rabbits, and mm -hmm. I want I did, now I want to shift gears back into more of the symbolism, although this symbolism interwoven into everything you talk about. But could you uh, explain the rabbit symbolism and perhaps use that if you choose to segue into um, your next musical project, which I believe also has um, an animal guide to it. Yes. Okay. So um, the album was primarily inspired by contemplations of astrology, specifically Vedic astrology. So in Vedic astrology, 
um, instead of there being a focus on the signs, the 12 zodiac signs, there are these 27 subdivisions of the astral realm and they're called nakshatras or lunar mansions. So, for example, in um, actually, let me just skip ahead. So, um, so instead of thinking of me as a Sagittarius rising, you could think of me as a Jayeshta rising, which is a more specific energy within Sagittarius, if we're looking at it from the tropical angle. I know some people are going to come at me like, that's not sidereal, but like, I don't want to get into that debate right now. Point is, I'm focused on Jayeshta Nakshatra. And so in Vedic astrology, um, every, every nakshatra is associated with so many symbols. Every nakshatra has its own flower, its own color, its own um, note on the tonal scale, its own deity. And so um, it's like you are, by contemplating a specific nakshatra, you sort of enter this realm of like a dreamscape that is a specific consciousness stream. And um, Jayeshta, the animal associated with Jayeshta is the rabbit. And funny enough, rabbits were always very important to me long before I knew anything about Vedic astrology, long before I learned that in this system of astrology, I am a rabbit incarnate. That is what it means to have the yoni animal associated with a certain nakshatra. So um, on contemplating Jayeshta and rabbits and the fact that Jayeshta is my ascendant, um, and as an astrologer, I do personally perceive the ascendant to represent one's highest potential because it's your personal horizon point, if that makes sense. So it's what you're moving towards. And so I was asking myself before I started writing this album, what would it mean to move towards my horizon in Jayeshta? What would it mean to um, to go there and to really explore all the themes associated with Jayeshta, like royalty and power and um, boundless creativity and ferocity and, and all of these things I've previously been afraid of. And from there, very naturally, the song started coming. It was like I really did enter the realm of Jayeshta and um, the songs just kind of came out. And I actually have a video essay where I tie all of this symbolism together as a companion to the album. And I'm putting that out at some point this week. Awesome. Um, um, and I just for anyone who's listening, who isn't into um, your type of astrology, I, I urge them to 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 remain open minded and be, and ex see some interest in it because I feel like we are in our own ways open to this. And like I am in traditional astrology a Taurus, and I've had people my whole life uh, say I'm stubborn like a bull, and and like we mm -hmm. we already accept this yet. When someone uses a, a an exotic word like jayestra, maybe maybe the, other people's eyes glaze over, or they say this is too much. And I, I'm really glad that you explained it, and I hope that the in fact I trust that the album will inspire people to dig deeper into what inspired you, because it, it's I find it, as as a lifelong music fan, but just art fan, one of the one of the great treasures that I've had is to is to learn about what inspired the artist to create a work of art that inspired me. It just seems like a natural natural progression. It doesn't have to mean that I align with them, but I, I'm curious and want to know more. So I appreciate you explaining that, and let's use it to segue into what you're you're cooking up next with and the yes. other animal that, that, <laughs> that that's inspiring it. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So my next album, the run, the working title is Ugly. And I've got to be graceful in how I express like what inspired this. Um, so no joke, no lie, no cap. My spirit animal is actually the deep sea anglerfish. And I'm not being like appropriative when I say that. I actually did a spirit animal meditation, went into a trance and all of that. And I met the, the anglerfish. This was maybe maybe eight, seven, eight years ago. And um, it terrified me because when I went into the meditation, I was like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to meet like a wolf or something cool. And and instead, I, you know, in the meditation, I started by walking through the desert in my mind's eye. And then suddenly the desert transformed into the ocean and I got pulled deeper and deeper and deeper into the water until I was face to face with this giant anglerfish and she was swimming circles around me and it was quite terrifying. Um, and I did not revisit her for like six years and then, or maybe five. Cause, uh, when I was out in Seattle, I talk about Seattle a lot because it truly was the scene where I had my spiritual awakening and, um, it was central to that, that evolutionary experience for me. So while I was out there, I decided, you know, I want to know why, like, why did I meet the anglerfish during this meditation that I did to find out who, what animal represents me. And I started revisiting her in meditations and had this, this cascade of revelations about who she really is and how she's so misunderstood all because she looks ugly right? Like for anyone who isn't sure what I'm talking about, the deep sea anglerfish is that fish you may have seen in Finding Nemo, where um, it's this fish with a giant jaw full of fangs and a light on top of her head. And most people don't know this, but that that uh, the fish with the light on her head is the female of the species. The male looks totally different. He's like a puny little, he's just like this little tadpole of a fish. And so the, the anglerfish is actually this fierce force of femininity and i came to realize that when i resisted contemplations of the anglerfish i was actually resisting my own femininity and that has been an ongoing theme in my life my fear of my own particular shakti my particular feminine essence and how i express it and so in this album um some one of the things I learned from Run Rabbit Run, um, being my first album, you know, you, you can't know everything all at once. So one of the things I learned about myself was that I was really holding back as much as I did have fun exploring weird sounds and like yodeling and everything. Um, I held back on making darker sounds because I was like scared. I didn't want to creep anybody out because I actually... I mean, I've been writing music and keeping it all a secret, like keeping it to myself since I was like 12. And I, I tend towards a darker sound. And I really wasn't willing to show people that side of my sonic profile yet. And in contemplating the anglerfish, I realized there's such rich potential in um, giving those darker, scarier human emotions um a harmonic context and giving them a place to exist uh free of judgment free of fear 
And um, I think one of the things I was scared of that stopped me from writing darker music as my debut was I didn't want to immortalize negative feelings and then replicate them in the minds of others because I, I, you know, music does have brainwashing potential and that's something to be aware of as a conscious artist. But I do believe there must be a way to honor the more uncomfortable human side of the human condition um, without letting that darkness then define who you are as the person experiencing the art. So my next challenge with this, this album, Ugly, is to face all those ugly feelings that I've been avoiding and to harmonize them and give them a sonic context, um, but in a way that honors the truth of those darker experiences without um becoming overwhelmed or uh immobilized by them well in, in, on that last note i it made me think of the musical genre very american musical genre of the blues where mm. where these um sort of sad tales were given a certain uh musical sound that i felt as somebody a lot of the rock and roll that i grew up with grew out of the blues and i feel like they didn't immortalize and the the negative vibe but they honored it and then they transmuted it into memorable music and and i i look forward to hearing that on the next album whether it's called ugly or not and also i appreciate that you use the word Shakti. So this is two episodes in a row where my guest used the word Shakti because Madonna oh. Shiva said that last oh, time. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool development here. Um, so as we begin to to wrap up here, I want to I want to give you the last word, but I want to first remind people that as always, if you go to the show notes, you'll find the link to when humans had wings website and the link to how to listen and purchase and share Run Rabbit Run. And I urge you to do so. And um, basically, I'm going to just turn it over to you for a couple of minutes here where what would you want to say to your listeners or potential listeners as we wrap up here about your experience of expressing yourself this way and Run Rabbit Run in particular? Oh, what do I want to say? You know, it's funny. I feel like I, <laughs> I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way. Um, okay. Okay. So since I was a writer primarily for so long, um, I got really accustomed to that feeling of triumph you get when you're able to articulate a feeling like it that's one of my favorite feelings when i'm able to give words to something complex um and nebulous like just an emotional state but what music is teaching me is that there are deeper forms of communication that involve a great deal of trust and are telepathic i really do liken music to telepathy and so as for what i would like to say to listeners and potential listeners i feel like whatever i needed to say was said by the music and the music continues to speak for itself you know i've said what i needed to say and now the music is kind of its own consciousness um speaking to people in a way that they can understand and that's the nature of telepathy which i i love I love to contemplate psionics and, and these mysteries of the universe. So, um, for example, one of the most fascinating things I'm finding now that my album is out and people are giving me feedback, I love hearing 
how people tell me they perceive my music. Like one person was telling me she perceives uh, the song Run Rabbit Run as like the soundtrack to a car chase in a movie. Mm. And I was like, I wow, I wasn't thinking of that at all when I wrote the song. But if that's how it speaks to you, then that's true as well. That's that's also the truth. And so there I'm I'm really um, I'm learning how to be truthful in my musical expression and also to honor the truth that is brought out of people when I share my truth. And so, you know, I'm not perfect at it, but I am doing my best. And as a matter of fact, before this interview, we set our intentions. And I, one of the things that I did, um, I don't know if I told you this when we got on the phone, but before we got on the phone, I said, may the truth flow out of me without hesitation. Um, mm. And so that that has been one of my primary motivations for making music, just tell the truth, just tell the truth. And so that is what my goal ultimately is. And I keep learning um, how to tell the truth even more deeply, even more richly, even more accurately. And oftentimes I'm finding truth doesn't even have words. It's just vibrations, it's feelings, it's sounds. And um, it's, it's also beyond those things. And so it's it's been a curious journey and I'm just glad for anybody who is willing to come along on that journey with me. I'm just so grateful to be heard at all. Well, thank you for that. It's it's it is a fascinating concept to think of the, these entities, these individual seven songs each having m- countless hundreds of thousands millions of separate lives because they live differently in the minds and hearts mm. of everyone that hears them and, mm-hmm. and ha- what a wonderful concept so um and my wish would be for everyone listening is that they will uh, listen to and purchase your music and that they will seek their inner truth and speak their mind whatever that means to them it could be starting a podcast it could be um recording an album it could be a, a in fact, it would be fruitless to even attempt to, to list the, the myriad ways that they can do so, but there will be no greater legacy of Run, Rabbit, Run than to have all the people who've been inspired to creative action through it. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for leading by example, and thank you for being here on episode 50. Um, I wish you all the best with the album, and I will be listening and watching with with the excitement and and just sheer joy as I as I watch your career take off. So, thank you for being here, and all all the best with with the music, Alice. Oh, just thank you so much for holding space for this expression of truth and this conversation about awakening. It uh, may it ripple outwards to everyone who needs to hear it. Amen. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month less than 17 cents a day, you can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial and it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber and please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass 
post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up. People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is. And now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. I trust that this episode helped clarify the reality that you do not need permission to live a positive and creative life. You do not need permission to express yourself. And in fact, we need you to be expressing yourself now more than ever. We need more music, not more machines. We need more poets, not more politicians. We need more free thinkers, not more groupthink. And as Alison Gray emphasized throughout our conversation, we need this mass awakening. So I call out to you to do your part. And during that process, remember to keep your guard up. <laughs>